you doing today? Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm trying to. But anyway, um, I wanted to thank everyone who brought, is bringing or has brought stuff for the VBS. And I also, should I back up a bit? I feel loud. I'm good? Okay. Um, the other thing is, my brain just went blank. I'm having a bad day today. Um, oh, yes. Thank you, dear. I wanted to make sure I invited all of you. We've been talking about the ice cream social, asking people to bring stuff to the ice cream social, and have never said you're all invited. We would like you all to come. Starts at 6 o'clock. One of the reasons for wanting you all to come is that we are inviting visitors. And, you know, when you have visitors to your house, you don't just leave the food on the table and leave, and then, you know, leave them a note on the door. Come in, have your ice cream, enjoy yourself, and go home. We'll be back after you leave. So I would like you to come so that they don't feel like they're the only ones here and, you know, how you get the idea so I can quit talking. Okay, and Thursday night, um, I want to have a VBS meeting in case I forget to text somebody. It's at 7 o'clock. No, it's not. It's at 6.30. Um, I'm hoping that if it doesn't work for you, I can change the time to 7. But um, Thursday night, so we can go over everything that we're doing and then um, we'll be ready for Friday. Okay? Thank you. Good morning. Uh, just quick announcements here. Just uh, wanted you to notice that inside your bulletin, there is a flyer. It's a VBS flyer. If there's people you've been praying for, I want to encourage you to give it to someone and pray for them. Of course, pray first. Uh, to see if we can get more, a bunch of kids here on Wednesday, on, on the coming weekend. Uh, the other thing is we have, so Sharon, do we need any more help for the VBS? How are we doing with, with, as far as work? We're good? Okay, praise God. Thank you for serving. Uh, today is our food fellowship. Uh, following our service, want to encourage you to hang out with us and fellowship with us and, and save some food for me. Uh, the 19th is the Awana Children's Ministry, uh, uh, the yard sale out here. And then the 20th is a, we have a baptism service at the Lewis's home. Eight people will be being baptized. And it's also going to be our food fellowship. So keep an eye on those things. It's all on your calendar that I sent you uh, this past week. Amen. Amen. Let's take a moment and open in prayer. Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning for your grace. Thank you for the privilege of freely uh, worshiping you, freely seeking your face, freely lifting our arms unto you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the privilege you give us to worship you and know you and follow you. And we pray this morning that you would be with us, Lord. We pray that you would uh, quicken our hearts to be in tune with you. We pray that you would remove, take away all distractions and every attempt of the enemy and that we would freely worship you this morning and that in the worship you would prepare our hearts for your holy word that we need in our hearts today, we pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Oh, all right. Um, so I think that you know, everybody can say that they have at some point in their life experienced a dry patch in their relationship with the Lord. Um, whether it's you're just, you feel like you're really busy and, and God gets put on the back burner or you're dealing with, you know, depression or discouragement or anger or things like that. We all have moments where we, where we um, take the Lord for granted, I'm sure. Um, I can't be the only one. But uh, there is this band, and their name is Mercy Me. And I can only imagine that you've heard of them before. <laughs> See what I did there? Yes. <laughs> if you didn't get it, I'll explain it later. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> um, so they have a new song, and it's called To Not Worship You. And the chorus, the pre-chorus and the chorus says, Breathe out, breathe in, and remember. You're the one, you're the one who makes mountains move. Stars will not shine unless you tell them to, tell them to. Conquered the grave to make all things new. So who am I, who am I to not worship you? 
And those songs, I have been singing that song in my head all week. Uh, Sam can tell you I made him listen to it in the car to, on the way to Philadelphia yesterday. <laughs> um, and so I've just been really thinking about the lyrics and that chorus specifically, that sometimes we take the Lord for granted um, and we don't look around and we see um, everything that he's done in our lives, all of the goodness that he just pours into our lives every single day. And if we were to do that, how could we not want to worship him? How could we not want to? Who am I to not worship the God of all creation, the God who protects me when I'm unaware that there's danger around me? the one who heals my body when I'm sick, heals me from things like rheumatoid arthritis and morning sickness and protects my husband when he has to have heart surgery and gets us home during bad snowstorms. Who am I to not worship that God? So would you please stand this morning? And the things that I've shared, those are personal experiences that myself and my family that we have, that we have, experience um, and things that we need to remember, but I know that all of us have things that we can look back on and remember and think, God, you did that for me. Who am I to not worship you? Who am I? So God, we just come before you this morning with humbled hearts because who are we to not worship you? You, the God of all goodness, the God of everything, the God of all creation, um, the God who sent his son to live a life here on earth that knowing that he would be persecuted and die a, a horrible, horrible death that we can read about, but we have no way to comprehend it. We can't comprehend a love that big, God. And we just, we want to worship you this morning for who you are, for what you do in our lives, and just because you are God. We love you and we praise you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.
regardless and we're just so thankful for that God and and I am especially thankful God that when life is raging on all around us I don't have to be afraid we don't have to live in fear we can live victorious lives because of who you are what you did what your son did on the cross and because we know the ending of our story and we thank you for that in your name I pray. Amen. We pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. 
cause our hearts to pump the blood through our bodies that makes us live. God, every aspect of who we are is because of you. We owe it all to you. And we thank you. And God, we pray that you were pleased with our singing and our worship this morning. And I pray that our hearts are softened and open to hear your word. And so I pray as pastor comes to share that you would anoint him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet anoint him with your spirit, your power, that the words that he shares will penetrate into our hearts, that our hearts would be softened, that he would be bold, and that the words that he declares this morning are from you and you alone. We praise you. We love you. We worship you. In your name I pray. Amen. You can all have a seat. morning. Praise God for His grace. I uh, wanted to remind you, uh, let's be in prayer for the VBS, okay? Let's be in prayer. We need, uh, as, we, as, as we think of our times, our children need a good role model, amen? Our young generation of kids need a good role model. They need guidance. They need direction. And the one who wants to give them guidance and direction is the one who created them, loved them enough to create them, give them life. And then He's placed them underneath our care. So please be praying for our little kids be praying that God would bring in a lot of young people and their parents and and it's and, and it's not for the church it's all for the glory of Jesus amen it's all for his glory so I want to encourage you to do that let's be in prayer for that uh, you have that flyer in your bag think of a neighbor friend some family member that you can invite and pray for them and we trust God will bring them into the church <clears throat> So how are we feeling this morning? Amen? Praise His name. Amen. So, so last week, right, last week we had we, uh, a message last week. It was called a, a Selfless Agenda. And if you remember in that message, we were able to get a glimpse uh, of the heart of David regarding his relationship with God. You remember that? And we said that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we said that there must have come a time when David... Um, began to put his thoughts together and, and he compared his, his, uh, his living quarters with the Ark of the Covenant, which is a representation of the presence of God. And he, and he realized that um, it was inappropriate for him to live in his own right, well, expensive, nice-looking palace while the Ark of God was in a tent with curtains. And so he wanted to do something for God. He wanted to, he wanted to, to um, not, not do something f f 
for the cause of God, but he wanted to do something for God because he believed that God is worth something more than what he was getting. I wonder how many of you believe that this morning as we reflect on who God is and, and, and it's his breath in our lungs as we think about everything that he is and everything that we sing to him this morning. Is he worth something more than what we're giving him? Is he worth something more than what we're giving him? And then we spoke about, um, from there we went and we spoke about these three things, right? We spoke about um, a serious situation, a strange suggestion, if you remember that. We spoke about um, um, the promises of God that revolved with that. A serious situation, a strange suggestion, a simple solution, and a submissive servant. And we addressed that. We spoke about that uh, last week from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Today we'll pick up from there. We'll pick up from there this morning. We'll pick up exactly from where we left off as we think about these wonderful things that God has promised for us in His Word. So, but before we do that, would you please stand with me and join me in prayer? We're going to go into this message, and it's entitled, What Are You Banking On? What Are You Banking On? We spoke about 2 Samuel chapter 7. We'll feed right off of that this morning. But let's pray together. Father, we bless you today in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we we invite you to guide this service. Holy Spirit, I pray for every man, woman, and child standing before you this morning in this church right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for him and for her. I pray for uh, the details of his heart or life. I pray for circumstances going on. I pray for preoccupations. I pray for uh, their hearts and my heart, God, that you would guide us this morning and that you would reveal to us what we need revealed in order to see what we need to see in order to take hold of what is ours for Christ, Father. And we thank you. We bless you. We pray that you would bind the enemy in the name of Jesus, that he would have nothing to do with this service. We pray for the recordings. We pray for those at home. We pray for every heart. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring glory and honor and exhort Jesus this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. We did say that 2 Samuel chapter 7 is one of the key passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. So, so let, let's think about this. So the Bible, in the Old Testament, we find seven different uh, covenants. So a covenant is, is, is basically a, a commitment or a, an agreement or a pledge or a promise made between God and people or God and a person. There are three of those covenants. Three of those covenants are unconditional covenants. That means that, that they were not, uh, their being fulfilled did not depend on whether the Israelites were faithful or not. And then there's a conditional covenant, which means that um, there was either a curse or a blessing behind that covenant based on the obedience of the people of God. And then there were three covenants that were general, and those were covenants that were not limited to Israel alone but to all people groups. And so today we want to talk about um, what we started last week, talking about the Davidic covenant. We're going to dive a little further into that this morning as we think about God's faithfulness and his word. So we'll consider these, the, the, let's consider this. God makes David uh, three promises. There are more actually in this text, but he makes David three promises or three blessings. And I believe that the blessings came as a result of the heart of David for God, though they were nonetheless unconditional covenants. Covenants. Unconditional promises and blessings made to David. Now my question is, how do they apply to us? Right? How, how do they apply to you and to me? And if they do at all, and also how or what role does Jesus play in these covenants or these promises? What role does he play, if he plays any role at all? Let me, let me just say this. Let me, let me give you a hint. Um, David could claim these promises or he could claim these, these blessings from the very moment that they were, they were brought into his attention. That is, he could bank on these promises throughout his lifetime and even after his lifetime, David could hold on to these promises. And that's something to praise the Lord about, that God brings before David promises that are not dependent on David, but they're dependent on God's gracious covenant of promise and blessing to David. David wanted to build God a house. You remember that? He wanted to build a house for God, and God sends his servant Nathan to David and tells David that David 
will not build that house for him. But it's going to be someone from his own offspring. His own future son will build that house. And so then we have in verse 13, God begins to speak to David. We'll look at that in a moment. God begins to speak to David about what it's, what's in the heart of God and what God wants to do for him. So I want you to notice verse 13, 12 and 13 up on the screen. God speaks to him about a throne. God brings to David's attention a throne, verses 12 and 13 of 2 Samuel 7. He says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish, establish the throne of his kingdom. Can someone do me a favor and bring me some water, please? Someone bring me some water. Thank you, Sam. So, again, he says, he is the one, speaking of Solomon, the Solomon to come, he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. So I want you to know that the word forever, here in this text, the word forever is used in the last 17 verses. It's used eight times. That's basically once every other verse, and God drives home the home of forever or eternity. So God embraces David's wish, right? David has this wish, he has this desire to build a house, a temple for the Lord. David lived in a palace, and he wanted God to live in an extravagant place as well because he was much more worthy of it. And so he has this desire, and God is able to embrace David's desire. He knows it, he realizes it, and he's okay with it. He, he's pleased with it. However, because David had shed so much blood, right, because he had been involved in so many wars, he would not be the one to bring or to build this palace for the Lord. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. So because he, he, he had so, bled so much blood and wars, he would not be the one to build the palace for the Lord. God tells him it's going to be your offspring. Now, Solomon is not in the picture yet. He comes into the picture in the 12th chapter of this same book. So he's not in the picture. He's talking about your future child is going to be the one that will build my temple, the house that you want to build. Solomon also becomes the first, uh, the first son of a king to succeed that king. And so God is pleasing with David's desire, but says you're not the one that's going to do it. And, and God had either be better plans for David. He has even better plans because, because God says to David, okay, you want to build, build a house for me, um, but you're not the one that's going to build a house for me. He says to him, he basically says, let, let me tell you this, not only you're not going to build a house for me, I'm going to build a house for you. And it's going to be a royal house. It's going to have everlasting uh, it's going to be an everlasting house. It's going to be a throne. So God says to them, you're not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build a house for you. And the house I'm going to build for you is going to be an everlasting house. It's going to consist of an everlasting throne. And he ministers to David regarding this. Imagine that you wanting to do something for someone and they in turn do something better for you. This is what God is talking about. I want to do something even better for you, David. And God encourages David. Think about that. So, so the throne is a the throne is a place. It's it, the throne is a place where you sit, right? Is the is 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 the is the seat is the the seat of honor is the seat that gives authority to the king to be and to do and to say what only he can do. It's it's his seat. It's a seat that only he can sit in. No one else can sit in that seat. If anyone else sat on that seat, they would be killed. I don't know how many of you have a seat at home that belongs to you. And that, that's your seat. No one sits there. That's dad's seat or that's mom's seat. Nobody sits there but him. I had one when we lived in New Jersey. I had that one seat in my room. I used to sit there, meditate, do my memory verses, read my Bible, relax, go to sleep, wake up. That was my seat. It was in my room. Well, this is the seat, the throne that God is speaking to David. I'm going to give you a throne that's going to consist throughout your descendants, throughout your life. He's building him. He's, he's promising him an eternal throne. Now, this, the terms of this covenant are very important because they speak about a, a coming king. They speak about a king who will come, 
who will reign on the throne of David far beyond the existence of Solomon or any others. It's speaking about the coming Messiah. So he's talking about, about a king that will always be, and that throne will always be, will exist forever because of who it is that's coming. So I want you to know that some of the prophecy was fulfilled, right? When you think about 2 Samuel chapter 7, some of the prophecy was fulfilled because when Solomon was born, he became the king eventually, and he does build the temple for the Lord, right? He built the first temple ever built for the Lord, and he also, is, he also sat on that throne. So that prophecy was fulfilled. The, the part of it was fulfilled, but a good portion of it wasn't. A good portion of that prophecy uh, of that covenant has not been fulfilled. And it has to be fulfilled. If you remember, Solomon messed up, right? Because what he did was is that he began to break uh, the commands. He began to dishonor the, the covenants of God and to disassociate himself from God. And so his, his throne was torn away from his son Rehoboam. So the dynasty, the Davidic dynasty of David was taken away from him. There is no throne. There is no temple in Jerusalem today. There is no one seated on the throne in Jerusalem today. There is no king in Jerusalem today. That dynasty was torn apart there. In 587, when Babylon came and overtook the people of God, they destroyed everything. But that prophecy, that covenant made by God will be fulfilled when Jesus comes. That is the king of kings. That's the one we're talking about. He's going to come and fulfill that prophecy. God will keep his word. There will be one on the throne of David forever and ever. And we're going to learn more about him this morning. All right? So I want you to notice second up on the screen. He talks to him about a throne. And then he talks to him about a kingdom. 2 Samuel 7, 11, B and 16. It says, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. He's still speaking to David through his prophet. The Lord will establish a house for you, David. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. That is God. Your throne will be established forever. And so know that God is speaking. The word house here is in reference to, to, uh, uh, to, to there's two sides to this word. There is the house that David wants to build. For the Lord, that's the temple. That's a material house, a physical house. And then there is a human house. That is the descendants of David, the royal house. His descendants that will be seated on the throne for eternity, forever and ever. There is the human house and there is the material house that God is referring to here. So although the Lord deprives David of building him a temple, so he doesn't give David the ability to build that temple for obvious reasons. He still blesses David, not just with one house, but with two houses. One of the houses will last a few centuries, right? That was the temple. It lasted a few centuries, maybe 500 years or something that that temple lasted before it was knocked down. The other house will last forever. It will be an eternal house. It will be an eternal temple. It will be an eternal throne, an eternal kingdom that will be occupied by the lineage of David. And so the Lord is encouraging David of this awesome privilege that he has, your throne. When he says, he says here, Tim, let's look at that verse again, the ending. Your throne, the last part, verse 16, your throne will be established forever. So this is in reference to the seed of David. It's in reference to a coming Messiah. It's in reference to the one Jesus Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, you'll see the lineage all the way down, beginning with Adam, all the way down to David. And, 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 and it's, it's a seed to come through the lineage of David. So he's going to come, Jesus is going to come as, as a son born from the tribe of Judah and the house of David. Let me, let me look at this screen up on the top. Luke chapter 1. You will... You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him, can someone say that name? And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. You see how Second Samuel connects with this. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This is the covenant made. 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never, ever end. So, church, I want you to know that Jesus is the one that is going to fulfill this covenant. He's the one that's going to fulfill this covenant that has been snatched because of disobedience. He's going to fulfill this covenant because of God's grace. He will be the one that will be sitting on the throne of David during that millennial kingdom found in Revelation chapter 20. He's the one that will establish that throne for all eternity. Let's look up on the screen again. Revelation chapter 2, chapter 20, verse 4 and 6. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And that is, that is the wrong verse. I'm sorry. Let me turn to it in Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, you see it up on the screen. Actually, if you can read verses 1 through 6, uh, ties it in better. But let me read it from, the, from my Bible here. Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. It says, I, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. And they had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and they reigned with Christ. They reigned with him 1,000 years. That's the millennial period. They reigned with him 1,000 years. Verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in his first resurrection. The second has no power over them. They will, they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for 1,000 years. That is the Davidic throne that we're talking about in 2 Samuel. There's a throne that will last forever and ever and is going to be occupied by the descendants of David. That's the, the, that's the covenant being made here. The descendants of David way after Solomon, Rehoboam, and all the other ones, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the one that sits on the throne. And that's what David is being told, uh, being encouraged by right now. So church here, get this. God promises David um, a throne that will always last, that will never end, a kingdom where he reigns, where he rules the descendants of David. And then lastly, notice here, a nation. Now, David is speaking to God about a nation. And David says in verses 23 and 24, And who is like your people Israel? So David is bringing the people of God into the picture now. The one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. Notice verse 24. He says, you have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. You have established your people as your very own forever. So David brings into God, speaks about a, a, a throne. He speaks about a kingdom, and David speaks about a nation of people. David was remembering God's faithfulness. He's remembering God's goodness. He's remembering the many times that, that God was there for his people. The many times that they won a battle that they were supposed to lose. He remembers God's faithfulness through the years. He remember, you read the Psalms, you see how many times David is uplifting the nation of Israel, the people of God, because of God's faithfulness upon them. They were his people. They were his chosen people. They were the people of God. They were the ones that... Though they messed up, though the people of God messed up, the Israelites messed up many a times, they were still his chosen people. They were the apple of his eye. They were the people that he loved and that he called. And so David is speaking on behalf of these people, and he's saying, he's basically saying, because uh, you're continuing my lineage, you're also going to bless the people that come from that. So David is claiming the blessing of God upon the people of God, all because of the promise of God regarding the lineage of God, where, the lineage of David, where he will always have someone seated on the throne of authority as king. And so he's bringing his people into it. They were the people of God, the people he chose. I mean, this sounds really, really good when you think about the Israelites, right? They have it made. But church, let me just say this, that this... There's, there's something more to this. Under the new dispensation, um, 
there's a blessing that comes from this covenant that we are beneficiaries of as well. In other words, God, in promising this wonderful promise to David and a king that would come to sit on the throne and to be the judge of all the earth forever and ever, on that there's something that we, you and I, can benefit from as well. Though this covenant is addressed to David and it's addressed to the Israelites, the nation of Israel, it is also something that you and I can be benefactors at. Let me show you what I mean. Let's turn, let, look up on this. And, and, and it's because of this. It's because Jesus, he is the center. He is the focal point. He is, he is everything is, is revolves around him. It's contingent on Jesus. So notice up on the screen in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this very, very carefully. Some scholars have a hard time with this. I don't know why. Listen to this. Speaking to the Gentiles, it's Paul the Apostle, a Jew, writing to the Gentiles. Remember that at that time you, Gentiles, were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. You hear that? Excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants. Think of this covenant. You were foreigners of that covenant of the promise without hope and without Christ in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he addresses citizenship. He addresses the people of Israel. He addresses uh, the covenants. And then notice the next slide, verse 14 and 19. For he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups, Israel, Gentiles, made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of hostility. Consequently, verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I mean, is that good news or what? In other words, the covenant that was originally made for David, the promise, the blessings for David and the nation of Israel, all that was wonderful and beautiful, and that promise that was made for them because of the one who would be the seed of the line of David that would sit on that throne. Because of him, Jesus Christ, because of that, we're beneficiaries of that covenant. And, and, and he makes it so very, very clear. Talks about foreigners and strangers and the nation of Israel and disconnected from God. So God is faithful and we can bank on this promise, this covenant to David and of David's throne regarding the people of God and the throne always occupied by one is a covenant that is also something you and I can benefit from. And we're benefiting from it right now as followers of Jesus. So Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. He's connecting them. Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so God talks about a, tr a throne. He talks about a kingdom. And then David is talking about the nation, the people of God, not just the Israelites. Yes, he's referring to the Israelites in 2 Samuel. But as we read Scripture as a whole, included in that promise is also the non-Christian, the non-Israelite, the non-Jew in, included there. Listen to this. Up on the screen, the next slide. There's one more slide I wanted to show you. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 13. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it, uh, on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember that? John 1, 14? Revelation 19, 14. Look at the next, the next slide. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them 
with a rod of iron, he himself treads the winepress of the fire of the fierceness of and wrath of Almighty God. And he, that is Jesus, has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the this is this is this covenant, this Davidic covenant that God is making with David way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And we see it come into fruition through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and our King. He's the one that guides our hearts and the one that guides our lives. So though it's addressed to David, it's something that we can also bank on. So the second house, church, the second house that God has promised David is that house that we're all looking forward to. Is that house where we're going to spend eternity with him in his presence one day, seeking his face and hearing from him and learning from him. Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords. So, so this, this promise made to Israel, this promise made to David uh, of a coming kingdom is also something for us so that we, you and I, Greeks, Gentiles, along with our Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, are beneficiaries of this unconditional covenant that was made between God and David way back then, carries on into this generation, not just those who lived before us, but those living now and even after us. It's a continual kingdom where Jesus reigns in our hearts and in our lives, and he leads and he guides us. That's the home he's talking about. That's the house. I'm going to build for you, David, an eternal house, an eternal house. You'll always have someone on the throne. That someone is Jesus. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the, of the Lord forever. That's the house he's talking about. John 14, Jesus says, I'm going, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and I will come back to take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. That's the house that is being referred to here. It's an eternal dwelling, an eternal house where we will also rule and reign with Jesus. Jesus ruling, Jesus in charge. So David talks to God about something that he wanted to do for God. And God turns it around and says, David, let me tell you about something I want to do for you, but not just for you, for all people, for the nation of Israel, for your people. But I want to do this for all people because it involves a future king that will come to reign over the house of David and will rule over this world. That's Christ. And so he's encouraging David. God's word is filled with promises. Excuse me. So it's, 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 a, it's a covenant. It's an agreement. It's a promise. It's gracious. It's unconditional. A promise made to David, to the descendants of David, of someone always on the throne. God's word is indeed filled with promises, church. And, 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 and we need to hold on to those promises. There's promises throughout Scripture. Uh, I will never leave you or forsake you. You ever feel alone? How many of you ever feel alone? Right? You ever feel alone when, when you're being attacked, when you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a difficult time, uh, when no one's there but you alone? Well, he says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. You're never, ever alone. That's a promise. We want to hold on to these promises. He says you will trample on snakes and scorpions and you will come overcome all the power of the enemy in Luke 10, 19, and 20. These are promises that we can claim. I can do all things through Jesus. What in the world does that mean? I can do all things through Jesus. That means that there's nothing that you need to do for Jesus that you cannot do. Because you have Christ. That means that there's no battle in your life that you cannot overcome because you can do all things through Christ. That means that you're never alone. That means that you never have something to worry about to the point where you're defeated, distraught, discouraged, depressed. We never need to come to these moments because we can do all things through Christ. When you're lonely, when you're worried, when you can't make it, when you're falling, when you're, when you're weak, when you're falling into sin, when you're being defeated, when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, you can do all things. You can come out of that through Christ, through Christ who gives us strength. 
Now, it's not Christ doing it. It's not Christ. It's not like we say, okay, God, do what you got to do in my heart. It's, 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 uh, we play a role in what God does in our lives. We can do all things through Christ. We can do, we can do through Christ. Christ working in us and through us. And so let me finish with this final thought here. I want to read something to you here. <clears throat> and it's, it's called full coverage. Full coverage. David learned, right? He learned to, uh, to claim the promises of God. And he knew it because his very last point, to his, his, uh, his address of God was the nation of Israel. You've promised. You've blessed. You've been there for the nation of Israel. He remembered everything God did. He remembered what God said, and he held on to that. He claimed God's promises for the people of God, including himself and that throne that God was talking about. Full coverage. I have an, I have an insurance policy. It's written in the blood of the Lamb, sealed by the cross of Jesus, redeemable wherever I am. The company will never go bankrupt. <laughs> it is bounded by God's promise true. It will keep every word of its contract exactly what it says it will do. I don't have to die to collect it. No premiums do I have to pay. All I do is to keep God's, all I do is to keep God's promise and walk in his holy way. No collector will ever come calling. It was paid on Calvary's tree. It ensures me the living and the dying. It ensures me for living and dying and for all eternity. What are you trusting in? Who are you holding on to? Where does your hope come from? What are you banking on? What are you banking on? Last uh, up on the screen, what are you banking on? What are you holding on to? God promises David, hey, David, you want to build me a house? Hey, David, you want to build me a temple? Hey, David, you want a better place for me? But I'll tell you what, David, I'm going to do something for you. I'm, 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 I'm going to build a house for you. I'm going to give you, David, I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you a throne, a throne that will always be inhabited by a descendant of yours, a kingdom that will always be governed by your descendants. David, your throne will last forever and ever and ever. And then the promise of a blessing of the people. David is concerned about the people. Yes, the Israelites are in his mind, but he's, dependent. he's calling out for the people, the blessing of the Lord. If you're going to bless me, God, my lineage, my descendants, that means that you're going to bless the nation of Israel. And yes, but praise God that it goes beyond the Israelites. They're our sisters and our brothers if they're followers of Jesus Christ today. We know that. Uh, but we are beneficiaries of this wonderful promise of God. I'll tell you a quick story and I'll close. I was, not too long ago, I was shopping and I lost my wallet. I, I, I lost my wallet and, 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 and I just became, I mean, you can imagine, imagine that. I don't have a lot of money in my wallet. I'm only a pastor, but I had a wallet and I'm searching and searching for that wallet and I'm going into the stores and I went to this store, I was there and I went to that store, I was there and I went to that store and I could not find my wallet. When I gave up all hope, I found it was in my hand. I was carrying my wallet, not even know it. Yeah. And you know why that, what, what's strange about that is that sometimes we have so much at our disposal as followers of Jesus. We have so much and we don't even realize what we have. Promises for eternity of a Christ who we spoke last week uh, lives in our hearts. If, if he's Savior and Lord, he lives in our hearts. He inhabits the temple as our heart. He is seated on the throne of authority. He runs the shots. He guides and he directs. He fulfills, he promises and fulfills. He meets every need, and we don't even realize what we have in him sometimes. We run for answers we run to find where we're going to get hope from and where we're, going to, where we're going to solve this problem and how we're going to fix this situation. And little do we know that right in our hands is a Savior and a Lord who is King of kings and Lord of lords.
That is, he rules everything in this world. He is in control of everything. He's in charge. Did you know that? He's in charge. A lot of bad news going on today. The internet is crazy with the things they're saying there. And, and, and what happens is that they're so worrisome, right? They're worrisome. Uh, it's fearful. It's scary of the different things that are going on right now, things that we don't even know about yet. But he's still on his throne. He's still on the throne. The day I see Jesus off his throne and the throne empty, the day I see that is when my world will fall apart. But that will never happen. He sits on the throne for all eternity. And in your storm, in my storm, and in our challenges, just envision your Savior, your Lord, Honor him as king of kings and lord of lords. Follow his lead and his guidance and his direction. Listen to his voice and his word as he promises to see us through every trial. Not just the ones here, but when we leave, when we depart, there is hope for his people. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you for your grace. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that way back then, through David, the prophecy was made of a, com a coming kingdom, a coming king who would rule a throne, who would govern the universe, who would sit higher than the highest, and his name is Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into our hearts and lives. I want to pray for you if you're feeling any weight upon your life, any worries, any concerns, any fears, any Anything that you know you need prayer for, I don't need to know what it is, but he does. Anything you need to know that you need prayer for, Jesus is here, my friend. My sister, my brother, he's here to encourage you and to uplift you and to strengthen you and to uh, em embrace you and to love you and to help resolve your issues. He's king on the throne, and he can solve those issues. So if you're standing, let, just stand. Let me pray for you. If there's anyone standing, Father, in Jesus' name, I just praise you and thank you for your word and your grace. Thank you for this wonderful covenant. And there are six others, God. <laughs> and it's funny how they all entwine together in one way or another. They all meet at the same place. They all meet with Jesus. Thank you for that, Father. Lead us and guide us. Increase our love for you. I pray for brothers and sisters of mine, not just in this church, but throughout our world, God, that are hurting, that are struggling, that are afraid, that are fearful, that are worried, that are discouraged. They're losing hope. I pray for them in Jesus' name. I pray that the Savior who sits on the throne of their hearts will impress upon them the truths of his word, the joy of his word, and the power of his word. And we'll praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for our closing song.
it makes when we think about it, right? What a difference it makes. Everybody has a king, you know that? That thought just came to mind. Everybody has a king. A king being that something that drives us, something that we depend on, something we lean on, something we look to. Everybody has a king. My question is, who's your king? Who, who's your king? And does he have etern eternity in his hands? Everybody has something that drives them and leads them and they depend on, and they hold on to, and they look to, or someone they want to be like, or someone they want to follow, or someone they think of all the time. Um, is he king of kings and lord of lords? Because there's only one person who fits that description, and his name is Jesus. And I pray in Jesus' name that every other king that is inhabiting, that is inhabiting the hearts and lives of your people to be broken, God, in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every lie of the enemy that we're sufficient within ourselves, that we're sufficient with our theology or sufficient with our understanding or that we're sufficient within ourselves. Every God that tries to take your place, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this morning. Break down the foundations and cause us to see no one but Jesus, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, that He would be the one, the only one, not our health, not people, not neighbors, not our jobs, not our money, nothing but Jesus would be the one that we're banking on. In His name I pray. Amen. Let me just say we're celebrating birthdays today. They get the first dips at the food. Jane Troy, Ellie Klein. That's future prophetic, my sister, Ellie Klein. Amy Zurich, Ruth Joy, Noreen Fisher, birthdays, Lamar Green, Sam Bang, anniversary, Jared and Vanessa. If any of those are here, they get first dibs at the food because we're doing this in honor of you guys and any who is visiting us today. Amen. Father, thank you again. Bless the food. Thank you for everyone that's prepared it in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for a good time of fellowship. Father, I don't want to forget uh, the VBS this weekend. 
I pray. I pray for those that are going to receive flyers. I pray for those that are going to receive emails. I pray for those that are going to see the signs. I pray for those who come out of homes where Jesus is not Lord. I pray for the little ones that are confused with the reality of life. I pray for the many that don't know Jesus as their creator and Lord. I pray that you would bring in little boys and little girls to learn about Jesus with hearts prepared. And I pray for their moms and their dads and their caretakers, O oh God, who come out of homes where there is emptiness and hopelessness in Jesus' name, that through the teaching of this weekend, Father, you would meet some of those homes and some of those hearts and that Jesus would be lifted up, the King of kings would be glorified as he enters into those homes, those hearts, and those lives. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.